2020 vision, what we've been looking at is this thing right here of what it means to set your finish line. That, that we would look and take with our lives and go, how would I have a vision for my life that is worth living for, that's something I'm going to have to stretch for, something I'm going to have to work to do and to achieve, and I'm going to set that finish line. And that this is something that we would be willingly to, willing to work really hard for. In fact, we looked at this verse last week in Colossians 3.23 that says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people, that if we could begin to see that, that this vision that we want to have for our life, that it would be something that would line up with this vision that God has for us, that we would, we'd be willing to work willingly at whatever it is that we do. That, that we looked at this idea that, that when it comes to chasing our dreams, that, that dream chasers, that they hustle. And, and the reason that they hustle is because they know that there's always more opportunity. And so let me get to this, and let me get to this finish line, because once I get to this finish line, there's more opportunity for me to get to another one. That they understand that there's always room for improvement, that they can become better and do better with who they are and what they're capable of. And they understand that the time, time there's only so much time, that it is a limited resource, and so they hustle to get there and to achieve it. Today, we're going to talk about the value of humility. And as we talk about the value of humility, I don't think that there's very many people in the room that are going to go, yeah, you know what? When it comes to having a great vision for your life, and when it comes to being able to set that finish line and get there, man, your only way you're going to get there is if you're humble enough. That we don't think like that. That, that we don't naturally think that, that humility is this great value, this value that should be championed with our lives. In fact, probably more times than not, we end up thinking about humility. We, we look at this and we think that, that humility is something where, where people, they're, they're too passive. That, that, that where there's humility, where, where people are humble people, they're not only just too passive, they're too submissive and they're too insecure. And so we look at this and we go, what, what do you mean humble? And why, why would humble be so important? It's because we've got to get the right understanding of what humble is. We've got to get the right understanding of what it means to have this humility in life. And that when somebody is, is humble in a healthy way, it's not going to be that they're going to be too passive. It's not going to be that they're too submissive. It's not going to be that they are too insecure. But we have to have a better understanding for this idea and value of humility. And if we had a better understanding, then I think that we would champion this cause and this virtue even more in our lives. So we're going to look at a few different scriptures this morning, and we're going to get started with the book of Psalms and look at these different writings, these writings about praising and recognizing who God is. And we'll get started in Psalm chapter 69, verse 32. And the psalmist wrote this, the humble will see their God at work and be glad. There's a lot there. We'll come back to that. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. But let's get back to this first part. The humble that they will see their God at work and be glad. Here's what I have observed, and you might have found this to be true as well. That, that people that are prideful, they have a hard time seeing and recognizing God being at work, God being on their side, God working for them. They have a very hard time seeing that. But yet humble people, People that, that they don't have a, a, an inflated ego about themselves and think more highly of themselves than they should, but they think about themselves in a healthy way, that they actually, they see God's 
work. They see God's help. They recognize that God is there and God is helping and supporting them. It's one of the values that comes from being humble. Could, could you imagine how different your life would be if you always had God's favor? With every decision, with every action, with every behavior, with every thought, could you imagine how much different your life would be if you always had God's favor? The closest way you're going to get there is by having a life that you bow your life to your Heavenly Father and you get and stay humble before Him and others. And when this takes place, it is going to put you in a position where you, more often than not, have a life that's in alignment with what God desires. And this is where you get to experience his favor. That, that people who are humble, healthy humble, that they are certainly, they are aware of their accomplishments. That they are people that they recognize and know what their talents are and they know what their gifts are. That this is true for them. But what they do for them is they take these accomplishments and they take these talents and these gifts and they keep them in a proper perspective. That they don't let it go to their head and they don't get big-headed with it. They keep it in a proper perspective. And what they have is they have self-knowledge of their abilities, their accomplishments, but they also have self-awareness of their limitations. They have self-knowledge of what they've done and what they're capable of doing, but they have self-awareness of what their limitations are. And, and, and because of that, they are able to maintain a healthy balance within being humble. Jesus had something to say about those who are humble and those who are not. And we can read about this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. He says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That he contrasts these two things. That we get to look at them and we get to see. And here's something that I personally have discovered. And maybe you have too. That it is always better to choose humility for yourself than for someone else to choose to humiliate you. It's, it's always better, right? And Jesus says, this is what he's talking about. He says, hey, those that exalt themselves, they are going to be humbled. And when they get humbled, it will be humiliating when they experience that humbleness. But yet people, that they, 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 I'm going to be humble. Jesus said, those people, they don't exalt themselves. But they're going to get exalted. So somebody else is going to lift them up. And as long as you stay humble and don't get a big head about this, it's where, again, you can go, hey, I'm going to have self-knowledge of what my accomplishments are and what my abilities are and what my gifts are. But I'm going to keep them in this proper perspective. James is a book in our Bible, but it was named after this guy named James. And James is Jesus' half-brother. And James is a guy that, that he really wasn't a believer in Jesus being the Savior of the world until Jesus rose again three days after he was crucified. He, he is somebody who, who he was a doubter until he saw the risen Jesus. 
And then he went all in. And let me share with you in James chapter 4, verse 6, that he says, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. That, that to me, it, it's bad enough to, ha- to not have God on your side. Okay, that, that's bad enough. But it's even worse if he's actually opposing you. And God opposes the proud. That, that pride, it never waits for God. It never waits for him. That, that pride, it, it's always in a hurry. It always has its own agenda. It always has this thing that's going, it's about me. And it never waits for what God's plan is, what God's best is, what God's timing is. And so God opposes the proud. I, I think that just as much as this is true, I, I think that those who are prideful, full of pride, I think that the proud people oppose God. I, I think it's a mutual opposition. And James, he's writing about this and wants us to see and recognize this. See, people with, with pride has this sense of urgency about self. And what do I have to do for self? And I need to do it now. But those who are humble, they take a different look. That For our best vision, when we look and see the finish line, for our best vision, that we are best off following God's best plan and best path. That God's got a plan and he's got a path. And for our best vision, we are best off following his best plan and his best path for our lives. James went on to say, but gives grace to the humble. That God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That, that, that when the humble stumble and fall, with his grace, he picks them back up. When, when the humble take a, take a path and, and start veering off path, but there's been humility in their lives, he course corrects them and still believes in them and doesn't just get rid of them. But he will oppose the proud. That when we look in our Bible and we read it and we get familiar with it, that I think that one of the things that we will find in our Bible is as I think that, that we will find some life and time stories, lots of stories about two of the most humble people that have ever walked this planet. One, one of those was humble all the way to the point of perfection. Never did anything wrong. Never sinned. Never made a mistake. And that's Jesus. He was humble and he was perfectly humble. Another one of these that's an extremely humble person that we can read about in our Bible and get to see the life and times of his life is somebody from the Old Testament. And his name is Moses. And Moses is one of these guys that tends to be a little more popular from our Bible that a lot more people have heard of this guy. Maybe you remember him from the Ten Commandments. Maybe you remember him as the guy that he's just got that staff that he carries around and can do some miraculous things with it. But Moses is a guy that God singled out and said, Moses, I want to use you to set my people free. 
that God had created a special group through a guy named Abram, and he created a nation called the Israelites. And, and, and then they stopped following God, and God disciplined them by allowing them to be captive. And they'd been captives for generations. And now he's ready to set them free. And he's ready to do for them what he promised he would do originally. And he promised them that he would give them the best land on the planet. A land flowing with milk and honey. And he says, I'm going to give you this land. And, And so they are in captivity and he is now ready to set them free from captivity and lead them into this promised land. And so Moses... After he finally gets the pitch from God and he kind of rejects it at first, then he finally ends up accepting it. He's, he's doing this. He's, he's led them out of Egypt. They're, 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 they're working their way through to get to this promised land. And we're going to look at this in Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to see this thing that ends up taking place here. It says, while they were at Hezroth, Miriam, that's his sister, and Aaron, that's his brother, criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Now, there's some speculation as to, to why they've got this issue. And, and the issue is, is not because they're looking at, at him marrying her and going, she's not an Israelite, how dare you, you should never have. But the speculation is, is that they have an issue because here is somebody who's now getting Moses' ear. That it used to be that they had his ear, that they were the ones that got to talk with him and they got to share things with him and share advice with him. And now here she comes along and now they don't get to have his ear as often or as long as what they've had it before. And it seems like the things that they've been able to say and share with him, that, that he's not willing to do all of these things. And there is this jealousy, is this speculation of what kicks in. Verse 2 says, They said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? That's where you get to see, okay, why why was that other put in place? It's context. So you can begin to see this jealousy that's there. Hasn't he spoken through us too? And then these words. But the Lord heard them. When you read this, this is a dun-dun-dun kind of moment in Scripture. This is not going to lead to something good. This is not going to be pleasant. This is a busted kind of moment. And so here they are. They're saying this. Hasn't the Lord spoken through us too? And they're saying it to Moses, but the Lord heard them. And before we get to the dun-dun-dun kind of moment, there's this parenthetical thought that is our verse 3 that gets added in here. And let's look at this together. It says, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Now, I think people that that have a healthy humility, that they are humble in a healthy way. I think those people, that they have a healthy self-talk. But yet, I think people who are not healthy, humble, that they do not have a healthy self-talk. And we need to beware of our self-talk. Because one of the ways that we get tempted and we might end up having self-talk in our own lives is that that we pull out the self-talk and our self-talk puts us on the pedestal of pride. And so here's just some of the ways 
that we end up doing this. That we end up maybe saying something like this to ourselves. Since you got it, flaunt it. Now, I can say that um, I don't have too much temptation in that category. That, that, that's just not something that for me that I'm just kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's me. That's who I am. And so I, I don't wrestle with this one. But this is kind of that, that entry level kind of self-talk that, that puts you on the pedestal of pride. But let me share with you one that I do wrestle with. And that is, you deserve that. And so that, that's that pedestal of pride. And, and, and I start, I'll tell myself at times, you know, hey, you've been good. You deserve that. You, you've been successful in this way. And you should, I, I'm, I'm guilty here. And, and what this does is it pulls out this little pedestal of pride and it just kind of sets you right up on it. And, and if, if the more you buy into this, the further you're going to end up going down the line of the way that you talk to yourself, the self-talk, and you might even eventually end up saying, they'll be sorry they didn't listen to me. This is arrogance at its highest. This is where we, we're like going, you know, we're not really concerned about it. It's not about us caring for them. Now it's about, <laughs> well, this is our revenge. And they're going to be sorry that they didn't listen because I, I, I knew better. And, and this is prideful self-talk. It pulls out this pedestal of pride and it puts us right on it. And there might be some of you in this room that you're looking at this and you're like going, yeah, that's not me at all. And good for you that, that, that you don't deal with this side of this. That, that for you, you're like, going, no, I, I, I'm not even, that, none of that is even a temptation for me, for me to have this, this self-talk that I pull out this pedestal of pride. And so for you, maybe you can relate to another type of self-talk. And this self-talk doesn't put you on the pedestal of pride, but this is the self-talk that pushes you into the pit of despair. That this is that self-talk that, that, that when you start talking to yourself this way, you, you are taking an emotional dive and insecurity is blossoming in your life. It starts out innocently and in, in a nice, simple way that we say things to ourselves like, you're so stupid. You know, and when, you know when we say this to ourselves, many of us? It's like when we did something that we knew better and, and, and we just messed up and we just go, oh, you're so stupid. And, and it starts out kind of innocent. But see, this is a gateway that allows us to start talking to ourselves. That This one, it just kind of pushes us toward the pit. But then there are some that actually push us into the pit. And we start telling ourselves something like, you'll never be good enough. This, this puts you in the pit. And that pit seems so high. And there's no ladder. There, there's no rope. And, and you get put in this pit. But it's the self-talk that puts you there. And you start telling yourself that you'll never be good enough. And the longer you linger with this kind of self-talk, the more likely that you'll end up telling yourself, nobody wants you. 
Nobody wants you. See, this is why we have to beware and be careful of our self-talk. And people that are healthy in their humility, they don't put themselves on this this pedestal pride. And, And people that are healthy in their humility, they don't push themselves into this pit of despair. But they can recognize what their accomplishments are. They can recognize that they have this self-knowledge of these things that they are capable of, these gifts and talents. But yet they also have this self-awareness of what their limitations are. But they do it in a healthy way. Somebody once said this, that humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That, that, that it's not that we would start thinking less of ourselves. We just wouldn't be thinking of ourselves so much. That, that we wouldn't always be making life always about me. That's pride. And people who are humble, they just think of themselves less. So let's get back to this dun-dun-dun kind of moment. It says, So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and he said, Go out to the tabernacle... All three of you. You know, that's kind of like adding somebody's middle name when you're getting after them, right? It's that, all three of you. It's letting them know, hey, there's an issue here. So all three, so the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud, and he stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. That it was daytime, and, and he showed himself his presence by this pillar of cloud. At nighttime, he would show his presence by a pillar of fire. So here he is, and he's showing his presence to them, and now he's speaking. Verse 6, And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. That this one, who is more humble than anyone else on the earth at the time, God says, of all my house, of all people, he is the one I trust. And so, yeah, for for prophets, yeah, what I do to them is I kind of, I give them this vision and they just kind of see this and they have to interpret it. Or I'll give them a dream, literally a dream. They're sleeping and they get this dream and they have to interpret that. But not so with Moses. He said, verse 8, I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. When we get a look at Moses and his accomplishments and who he is and what he has done, and yet he was so humble, he was meek, It allows us to see that that we don't have to equate weakness with meekness. Because he handled his meekness. He handled his humbleness in a healthy way. Researchers at the University of Maine, they did a study. And the study that they did was how humble people perform in social groups. And how they're perceived by others. They ended up publishing this in the Journal of Positive Psychology. And let me share with you what they published. Humble people are more effective leaders and 
are valued in social settings due to their tendency to behave, and they identified three things, their tendency to behave more generously, selflessly, and altruistically. This is what they are seeing when it comes to people that have this healthy humility to them and how it is and they're living out their lives. That humility, it's not a weakness, it's not cowardly, it is a strength. And it is a strength that should be leveraged in our lives. So I want to share with you some things about people with humility. I want to share with you five things about people with humility and what these benefits are, how it is that they have these things that are true to who they are. And you're going to begin to see that these traits, these traits can help somebody reach their finish line. These are the things that that when you're humble, that you could have this finish line that's really worth pushing toward and getting to, that you can get there with this virtue of humility. So people with humility... They help others more often. That's one of the things about that people who are humble. That people with humility, they help others more often. And as they help others more often, you know what ends up happening? That they end up developing an army of support. Now, I don't think that they're doing it to develop the army. It's just something that's naturally taking place. And that they're out there and they are helping others more often. And and then when they're going to need help, there is a whole lot of people that are willing to help them. Because we love helping those that have helped us. And so we get to see that they help others more often. It's certainly to their benefit. Another thing is they welcome feedback. That that, that, that when you're humble, you welcome the feedback. You're you're not afraid of it. You're like you're not going. I don't need any negativity in my. You're like going. Hey, if you have something that's real and it's a real critique, I, I I'd like to hear it so that I can become a better version of me. A third thing: people with humility, they willingly ask for help. You know what prideful people do? I only know this because I kind of deal with this sometimes. We 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 just kind of wait and hang out for somebody else to offer help, and then we're like. Oh, yeah, sure, I'd love to have it. But, but people with humility, they, they willingly ask for help. Because, see, there's no sense of pride that's telling them, oh, you're not good enough if you need help. And so they do. They willingly ask for help. And it allows them to hit their finish line sooner and better than people that are going, I, I'm not going to ask for any help. But, man, I sure don't know how I'm going to get there. Fourth thing, people with humility listen better. They listen better. That there's there's a genuine sense of care with the people that they're listening to, whether it's listening for instruction, whether it's listening as they're reading God's word, whether it's listening to correction that's coming, they listen better. Maybe they're just having a conversation with somebody and, and they're just unloading and how difficult life is, but they listen better. And people with humility are quicker to forgive. They're quicker to forgive. They're they're quicker to to understand. You know what? I'm not perfect and and I've done things that I've needed to forgive. So I'm I'm going to forgive you. And they they do it more quickly than others. They understand that that in order for me to get to my finish line, I, I can't afford this anchor of unforgiveness to slow me down. 
And so I'm going to forgive. Maybe there will be restoration and maybe there won't. But they are more quick to forgive. Well, while Moses was humble, he wasn't perfect. That yes, he had had this 2020 vision for leading God's people into the promised land. And yes, he was working this vision. But I'm going to take you to a place later on in the book of Numbers where he did something that cost him the very high price of never being able to step foot into this promised land that God had recruited him to lead the people into. So Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 8. The people had been grumbling and groveling and they, they would constantly do this. They're, they talked to Moses and Aaron as if, why can't we just go back to Egypt? It was so much better there. Yes, we were slaves, but we always had food and we had good shelter and they didn't have any of this right now. And so they're grumbling. And so verse 8, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. And as the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels. We're already seeing he's lost some of his humility. As he's addressing these people. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff. And water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now, now, if you're familiar with this, you're like trying to go, yeah, yeah you're right. I, I remember that, that did cost him. If you're not familiar with this, you might be going, what did he do and, and why did it cost him? Didn't God tell him to, to get water from the rock and, and he did that? So what, what went wrong? Well, see, God told him to speak to the rock. Take the staff, but speak to the rock and let the water flow. But Moses, Moses went before the people and he spoke harshly to them. And then he took that staff and he hit that rock twice before the water flowed. Verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. You know, and maybe, maybe there's some people in the room right now that you're like going, well, that doesn't seem very fair. I mean, if that's the only time that, that Moses, this guy who, who was the most humble person, and if that's the only time that he kind of did something that he didn't stay humble, that, that, that's not fair. Well, see, our God is a holy God, not a fair God. He's a holy God. Now, in his holiness, I do believe he is fair. But see, our version of fair isn't a holy version of fair. And his is. And so, yes, it was a very high price 
that Moses paid. God did, however, allow him to go to a ledge and to look over and actually see the land that the people were going to occupy. He just was never allowed to put foot in it. When it comes to humility, that I think that it's counterintuitive, but the greatest thing that has ever been accomplished, the greatest finish line that has ever been hit, was accomplished, was reached because of great amounts of humility. And I know it's just counter, we just don't think in terms of, of being humble is what's going to get us all the way to our finish line. But the greatest finish line that has ever been set, and that finish line that was actually reached, was only reached because of great amounts of humility. We can find out about this in Philippians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. So Paul's writing these believers who don't necessarily have their act together in how they're treating one another. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That this is what we need to do, that we need to stop and we need to look at others and think of them as better than ourselves. Not, <clears throat> not better with a self-talk that just kind of puts us in the pit or puts us up on pride. Not that kind of self-talk. We just need to think of them as better than ourselves as going, there's somebody that God created and I need to love them. In fact, when, when Jesus was asked, Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And he said, and the second is like unto it. We didn't ask for the second. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That when we look at what Jesus told us to do, he tried to sum all this up. It's love God and love others. Love God, love people. That's what we should do. It's the greatest thing that we could do with our lives. And so let's not just look out for our own interests, but let's look out for the interest of others too, that we would do this. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, that, that you need to have this same attitude. This one who, who, who Jesus, who existed in heaven before he ever came to earth, and he humbled himself, and he stopped being God in heaven, and he came down to the earth in the form of an infant baby and ends up being in human flesh, and he allows others to mock him, and he walks among others who do not worship and praise him for who he is, and ultimately, he gives his 
life. He sacrifices his own life so that your sin and my sin, it could be forgiven. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He didn't die a criminal. He just died a criminal's death. That he willingly gave his life to be a sacrifice for sin. And so he does this, this incredible act where he humbled himself for your benefit, for my benefit. Verse 9, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we are being told that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who humbled himself in the greatest finish line being a sacrifice so that all sin could be paid for, all sin could be covered, so that every person would have the opportunity to believe and trust in Jesus and begin a relationship with their Heavenly Father to restore that relationship. The only way it was made possible is because Jesus humbled himself. And our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So I've got a question that I want to leave you with. And it's a heavy question. But have you ever considered what you could accomplish with great humility? Have you ever considered that? Because a finish line worth Reaching a goal, a vision, 2020 vision, something worth seeing, something worth believing in, something worth working toward. We probably won't get to that vision that aligns with what God has in store for us unless we embrace humility and allow the value of humility to come in and take over so that we can be more Christ-like in the way that we love God and the way that we love people. Pray with me. God, I believe that, that you've given every single one of us incredible purpose. God, and that, that purpose is something that, that can be found and discovered by you. And that that purpose should be right at the center of what we do when we look to have this 2020 vision that we see so clearly of what it is that we could be and should be and should be doing, what it is that we should be about, that we would be thinking in terms of living our lives in a way that is legacy worthy. 
So God, I pray that, that, that those are the things that, that would start to consume us. That those are the things that we would seek you out on and ask you to show us so that we would live our best life. That, that we would experience your best vision and that we would be willing to follow your best plan and your best path for us to get there. Help us to, to conquer the self-talk that, that puffs us up or, or, or it pushes us down. Help us to conquer that so that we can have incredible health in our own humility. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.